Okay, that's a little full. Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to lay a little bit of groundwork, and when I say a little bit, I mean a lot. We're going to lay a lot of groundwork, but we've been talking through some topical studies. Uh, so if you have a topic that you want to hear a message on specifically, uh, slip me a piece of paper, put a note, put it in the box out in there, and uh, we've got prayer coming up. We had somebody that wanted to hear a message on prayer, but today uh, we had some that requested to hear, was it yours that was prayer, Annie? Or no? Okay. Uh, we had some that, that wanted to hear a message on faith. And it's great timing because we talked about grace last week. And in the study on grace, excuse me, how do you, I mean, real talk here as a pastor, how do you burp with one of these mics? You know what I mean? Another mic, I'm like, I deal with it, but this is like, it goes where I go. You know, for those that don't know, this is a new microphone that I have on today, and I feel like Britney Spears, just saying. I don't know, I feel like I'm about to do a little, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, but I mean, this thing's crazy. I'm going to pull out, never mind, we're going to leave that one right there. I don't even know how to burp. Do I have to like go like this? You know what I'm saying? That helps. There we go. That's what I'll do. When, when I go like this, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> anyway, so we t- <laughs> if you're a visitor today, this is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, so we talked about grace, and we learned that grace and faith are conformed to each other. They work together. So it's, it's a great thing that you wanted to hear a message on faith, uh, coupled with what we learned last week on grace. And as we deal with internet issues and live stream issues, know that no matter what, we're taking those messages, even if we're not able to stream, and we're uploading them to our YouTube channel. So if you missed a week or we're out of town uh, and our live stream failed you, which I can't imagine that would ever happen, like it's happening right now, uh, make sure to make your way over to our YouTube channel and catch up there. But today we are going to talk about faith, and it's going to be kind of like a more ideological thought process here on faith, a higher level, not as practical, to be honest. It's going to get practical at the end of the message with two points. But really, uh, when I went to the Word of God to study this, it really gave me some helpful reminders, some very helpful reminders on the foundation and the constructs of our faith and how we should live in it uh, more than me reading a verse about faith and applying it in different ways. This is going to be more of a ideological uh, mindset shift for some, uh, but hopefully it's encouraging and hopefully we walk away uh, different knowing more about our faith and knowing where we stand. Uh, I feel like there's a shift uh, in my rug here and I got to straighten that out. I don't even know how that happens. It's like there's a ghost in here every week. It's never that way. It's always this way. And it's like they just pull it. Like in the middle of my talk, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the point is, is I feel like there's a shift in mindset in our, in our culture. There's a shift in feeling like they deserve something. A shift in personal responsibility, right? And, it, and it's made its way into our churches where we feel like God owes us something. Anybody, anybody see that a little bit? Especially in the youngins. You know what I mean when I say youngins. They, they feel as though something is owed to them. I can't imagine why, right? It's not like we parents spoil them or anything, you know. But that happens, and when we spoil, 
when we uh, treat them that way, they automatically think, well, that's the way God treats us. Right, and, and then that leads to an exchange. If this is something, if our faith is something based on an exchange or a balance system of good and evil, and it's not, then we are tied up in a rat race of constantly striving to do and never arriving. And that's not what our faith is. And we, we talked about it a little bit through grace, through that lens of grace last week. Grace is that life that has been afforded to us. We're living in God's grace, right? If God paid for by his eternal riches, we have a life, a new creature life. We bury the old life. We buried our sins in death, and, and baptism pictures that. We're raised to walk in newness of life. And that life of newness is a life that's lived in grace, but through faith. So we kind of said that the vehicle, right, the vehicle by way, we, by, the, by way we live in that grace is faith. So to drive in God's abundance, we get in a car of faith. Does that make sense? They're conformed to each other. One is a land of grace that we're traveling in, but we're doing it through the vehicle of faith. And some of y'all, your vehicle of faith stalled out many years ago. Some of y'all, you, you called a vehicle, you called an Uber from the world, and we talked about it, and, and you're catching a ride through other means, through maybe striving. Maybe years ago, you left your faith, and you decided to enter into a works-based system. But faith without works is dead. That's right. Works should come from faith. I feel like I'm a little loud. If it's not out there, just pull me back in my monitors, but... I feel like works definitely should come from a life of faith, right? But it shouldn't be the means to it. The revelation of it, not the means to it. I'm gonna, we're going to walk through these waters this morning. We're, I'm going to say a few things this morning that you're going to be like, mm, yeah, yes. And it's not going to make sense, too. I'm going to warn you ahead of time. I'm about to say some things. Don't commit me. Don't call the asylum to come put me in a straitjacket. What I'm saying does not make sense, but it will make sense. It'll make sense through the eyes of faith. It'll make sense through the eyes of the unseen, not the seen. And that's what we need to do. We need to engage in a spiritual warfare, not a physical realm. Okay? That's what we're going to do. We're going to dive in a little bit. Let's pray one more time. Pray that God does something in your heart this morning. Father, I pray that you'll move in our midst. Holy Spirit, I need your power. Please speak through me. Speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. What is faith? Hebrews 1, chapter 1 through 3, we're going to read it together. If I talk about faith, many will think about Hebrews 11, the hall of faith as it's referred to. Hebrews chapter 11 is a place in scripture where the Bible talks about what faith is, the substance of things hoped for, the substance, we're going to extrapolate on that word a little bit, but the substance of things hoped for, and then it talks about people that have had great faith, patriarchs, the reasons why we're here because others gone before us that have passed that faith down. Uh, so Hebrews chapter 11 is often a passage that is thought about when this topic of faith is discussed. But, uh, you hear that? It's this, isn't it? Hey, we're learning. I gotta put me some, some filters on this, but y'all bear with me and my Britney Spears mic this morning. 
we, we have to lay some groundwork before we get to Hebrews chapter 11. Instead of just jumping in and saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. All right, it's something that you don't see. Let's, let's through scripture and through Hebrews, try to put ourselves in the context and in the mindset of what the author was trying to say in Hebrews. Are you down with that? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He kicks off the book before he ever gets to the hall of faith in chapter 11. And he says this, God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his what? Okay, all right. Now, could we say that we are still living in the last days, yes or no? Yeah, sure. This context fits us. And, and what he's saying is he spoke through his son and the work that his son did. Now, what's his son's name? There's something about that name, isn't there? And we say it a lot at Bethlehem, what? That's it. It's not what, what, what we think or our backgrounds or our constructs. It's just him. That's it. That's what we strive for here. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was striving for. He's saying, check this out, God spake in times past unto the prophets, unto us by his son. And the word became flesh, Jesus, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his what? Person. Hmm. Now remember the Bible wasn't written in English. I hate to burst your bubble on it. I know some of us cling to it hardcore. But something here that's masked in our language is not masked in the Greek. That word there, if we, if, if we look at that word, what it is in the Greek, and I'm pulling up my Bible right here, the expressed image, verse number three, of his person, hypostasis is the Greek word. As he's building on this thought here, the author of Hebrews, is he used this word for a reason. He says, who being Jesus, the expressed image, the, who being brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his hypostasis, the expressed image or the confidence or the substance. That word person carries more weight than the word person. It's saying Jesus is the confidence Jesus is not just the confidence, he is the substance. We could also use this word, he is the foundation, the expressed image of his person. We just think, oh, that's who he is. <laughs> but the word carries more weight than that. It's not just who Jesus is, it's literally Jesus is the expression of the foundation. Jesus is the expression of the substance of God. That's more, that's more weighty, isn't it? Hypostasis. The author is saying, what you have to understand, I'm about to build on a foundation here. I, I'm about to have a discussion. I'm about to get louder, and I still feel really loud up here. I'm not sure what that is, sound guy. But anyway, uh, I, I'm about to build a foundation on a substance. If someone, if a contractor came to you and said, I'm going to build you the best house ever. And you're like, okay, do tell. <laughs> I have this new idea. It's a foundation made out of pebbles. It's gonna be a bunch of little rocks 
and we're going to put them all in one big pile, and we're going to use boards to hold them together, and we're going to pack them down pretty tight, and then we're going to build your dream house on a foundation of pebbles. What would you say? I mean, you would do what you're doing right now. <laughs> Let's have a bowl of fruity pebbles today while I call the insane asylum, because I ain't giving you a dime. Why? Because the foundation is the most important thing. We don't want a foundation of pebbles. We want a poured foundation that is connected and that is all the same substance. Together, glued, one component, right? So Hebrews kicks off discussing the fact that the express image of his person, check this, The expressed image of his person is a foundation. It is a substance. It is altogether Jesus, and that is what we are constructing on for this book. Hypostasis, the substance of what you believe is in who Jesus is. That's weighty. And that's that's how the discussion starts here in Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 34 through 39. Right before we get into this idea of faith and what is the substance of faith, ooh, keyword, I want to give it away, but I'm not going to. This is how he introduces, because Hebrews 11.1 1 starts off, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's another thought that happened before that, and here's the thought. Hebrews 10.35-39, through 39, cast not away, therefore, hold on one second, I've got to get there in this, Hebrews 10. 35, we're digging in deep. I got my Greek out, just kidding, but I do. Cast not away, therefore, your, what's it say? Why would he say that? Well, he's going to say it because in Hebrews 3.6, in Hebrews 3.14, in Hebrews 10.19, there's a theme in the Bible of confidence. There's a theme in, in, not in the Bible, in Hebrews specifically, this book, of the fact that he laid the groundwork to be Jesus. Not only did he lay the groundwork as he is the substance, he is the foundation, not a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of you, not a little bit of good works and a little bit of grace or whatever, you know, however you formulate your thinking. No, 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 it is Jesus. That's it. And so the, the author continues in those verses to say we should have confidence in him. We should have an understanding that it is him that we are building upon, so we're going to be all right. So look at it. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. That's the point. If he is the foundation, build away. Right? Which hath great recompense of reward. And we're going to see here a problem. For ye have need of, what is it? Is that true today? (laughs) We could stop right there for a minute, couldn't we? I have need of a sip of coffee. Let me shield it here. We have need of patience. Okay, so the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience from another passage of scripture, right? So we find here that the construct of Jesus Christ, the foundation, the substance, allows us to have confidence so that we can generate patience when we go through stuff. You know what I say? When I say stuff, you know what I mean. How many of you have gone through stuff this week? Okay, check this. Don't leave me right here in this. Don't don't turn me off. Here we go. For ye have need of patience. Some of y'all are like, you know what I have need for? A new child, a new spouse, a new job. No. You don't have need of those things. You have need of patience. That's what you have need of. 
that after ye have done the will of God, that's the hard part, ain't it? Let's just be real. That after ye have done the will of God, ye might, what's it say? Come on, what's it say? That ye might receive the promise for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the what? Just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So in other words, in our conversation last week, going back and digging up the old man, Hebrews takes it further and says, that person that goes back doesn't have this saving faith that I'm talking about. That person that goes back and doesn't come back. I'm not talking about backsliding. I'm not talking about folks. Look, we all struggle. We all go through some things. But the author of Hebrews is clearly telling us to keep going through things. The author of Hebrews is saying you can't pull up short. The author of Hebrews is saying when you go in it, you need to let patience be generated. You need to be confident in your foundation. This is like... You know, we've had some crazy weather hitting the country, right? When I was younger, we, we lived in Florida until I was 12, about five minutes from the beach. Many of you don't know that. Melbourne, Florida, by Cocoa Beach. And we, we stayed through one hurricane, and it's like a train driving through your front yard at night. That's what a hurricane's like. But it's like understanding this scenario, if I equated it to that, it's having the confidence in the house. There are some storms that it's like, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to make it. But Hebrews is saying, no matter what storms come, faith is staying. Faith is remaining. Faith isn't running. Faith isn't getting out of the car. Faith is staying in the car as we drive through God's grace. It's going to get better, I promise. Now look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Are we getting a clear picture of what faith is? It's the substance. It's the foundation. It's Jesus. That we, can, we can say through this word hypostasis, the person of Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, is the, <laughs> I'm about to blow your mind, look at it, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance. What word do you think that is in the Greek? Hypostasis. Now faith is the person. Now faith is Jesus. Now faith is the foundation. Now faith is everything. Of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Whereby the elders receive, obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. You see this, link, this language that he's using? The worlds were framed. I understand language like that. By the word of God, you can't get away from the substance. You, we that are people of faith should have, Hebrews 10.35, confidence that what we're living in, what we're driving through has been framed by the word of God. Man, I'm, I'm about to have a Holy Ghost fit. Through faith, we understand. See, the problem is, is we have Christians today that don't understand. See, the problem is, is we have Christians that don't think it's foundational. They think it's optional. They're looking.
looking for the ejection button. They're looking for the cord to pull. They're looking to abandon the very thing that God has placed them in to grow their faith. That's not faith. That's works. You can't, you, you can't abandon it. Mm, 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 mm. Here's what faith is. You ready? Maybe you've, you've never had a clear definition. Here's, here's the definition that, that I think is, makes sense. Believing that persists. Maybe you've approached salvation or believing in God for your saving of your soul. Maybe you've had a place in, in time in your life where you put your faith and trust in him as, as in the sense that you thought it was a transaction, a one-time thing. I, and don't misunderstand me. I got salvation, now I can go do what I want to do. That's not it. It's a transaction that once it's happened is not reversed. It's believing that persists. Well, if you say, well, what about backsliding? You'll come back. You'll come back. If your faith is there, and I've seen it through the years. You're in ministry, if you're in ministry anytime at all, you're going to see people come and people go. But ultimately, I know that if their foundation is right, they're going to be back. Why? Because it's believing that persists. Watch this. It's believing that continues. Believing that endures the test of time. Maybe you were questioning your faith this morning when you came in. Maybe something happened this week that, that caused you to question. Something you read, something you saw. I want to encourage you this morning that faith is something that endures. Faith is something that continues. When you believe and when you trust, you continue and you don't stop. Well, that seems a little ignorant. No, it doesn't. Trust me. I'm, I'm getting there. It's going to get real and it's going to get raw here in a minute. I'm gonna, whatever you think you've gone through, this story is going to trump it, promise you. The Bible has a tendency of doing that. It is not something that you wish for, but something that you live in and have confidence that it will continue. Confidence. Why? Because it's of the substance of Jesus. Hmm. Not confidence in your performance, but in what Christ performed. That's a big one. Not confidence in your performance, but in confidence that what he has performed. Paul put it this way. I think it's Philippians 1. Six. He that hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So in this chapter, there are people that were not perfect. People that were not perfect, but were consistent in their belief and trust in God. This chapter should open the can. It should release the pressure off of you, so to speak, that maybe you're feeling right now. What your pastor is not saying is that you have to be perfect. That is not what I'm saying. To continue in faith on this side of glory is not to be perfect. This chapter proves it. But to leave it, to abandon it for something else is to never have obtained it. Why? Because it's something that endures. So in this chapter are people that are not perfect. God is not content unless you have believing loyalty in him. God will work through anything with you. This chapter is proof of that. You, you're going to go through stuff. There's a, there's a murderer in this chapter. I'm not giving you a license to go out and pull the trigger, okay? Please don't. My point is, is that there's an adulterer in this passage. My point is, is that there's a prostitute in this passage. 
all mentioned to have great faith. So, so I extend the loving arms that Jesus extends this morning and, say, and says, all of us are welcome this morning. All of us are included, no matter what you've done. His faith is enough. It's saving faith. It's faith that continues. But it won't allow you to continue in that mess. It will lead you in his grace. Faith is conformed to grace. Okay, we're continuing to walk down this path. Stay with me. Suffering, moral judgment, and doubts were things consistent with all these folks listed in here. Hey, listen. Suffering, moral judgment, impaired, severely impaired moral judgment are all things that are present. Even a lack of faith is present. Times where they did fail is present with folks that are mentioned in this chapter. Old Testament saints and New Testament saints have the same reward, the same substance, and that substance is Jesus. Okay, I've said enough. Let's read it. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance, the hypostasis of things hoped for. It's Jesus, the evidence of things not seen. Through faith we uh, understand that the worlds were framed. Verse 4, here it is. By faith uh, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated. By faith he was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Uh, verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please God. Of course it's impossible because you wouldn't have the foundation of Christ. You wouldn't have the foundation that makes all of this work. Of course without that substance it would be impossible. Verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen as of yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to save his house. By faith, and this is the one we're going to settle into today, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive, you're going to see that as a theme. These folks moved and grooved on something that they don't have in their possession yet. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what does it say? obeyed. Verse number eight, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacle with Isaac, who we're going to talk about, and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city with which had, what's that word? Uh-huh. Whose builder and maker is who? God. Through faith also Sarah, that was his wife, herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, as him as good as dead, so as many as the stars in the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. We're going to talk about Abraham's faith, and then we're going to go eat, okay? Deal? Uh, faith here, as far as Abraham is concerned. Faith is believing loyalty. So let's drill down on this story a little bit more. So who knows Abraham in the Bible? You know, Father Abraham had many sons, right? But it was one son that the promised seed of Israel would come. Does anybody know his son's name? Isaac. Abraham's son, Isaac. And remember, God didn't make this easy on them, right? Father Abraham was old. And typically when you get old, you don't have any more children. You know what I mean, right? So his wife, Sarah, was like, you think this is still going to happen? <laughs> she was looking at him like, nah, the baby factory closed. You know what I'm saying? That ain't happening. 
But the Bible says that that was the promised seed. So how in life do things come to pass that are impossible, but you know they're a part of God's promise? Huh. By what? Faith. So there was a moment where they doubted. Yeah. She even got in trouble because she was running her mouth about what God wasn't going to do. I don't have time to go into the whole story, but the point is, is guess what? She had a baby, even when she was old. God restarted that thing in there. You know what I'm saying? Get that crank going. Let's put a baby in there. And she has a baby. I mean, and this is after the fact. Like, you got to think in this story, and this is where, for those of you that have screwed up, like this guy, over and over, I constantly make mistakes. Remember that she said, hey, Abraham, my baby factory ain't closed, but hers is open. And she gives her handmaid. This is, I mean, the Bible's a pretty crazy read, just so you know. If you're looking for some entertainment, you don't need reality TV. You got scripture. You know what I'm saying? She was like, yo, I got a handmaid that's still young. You know what I'm saying? Why don't you take her? And Abraham's like, sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, that's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny right there. <laughs> who expects a man to do the right thing in that situation? Well, if, if the woman said, God bless. <laughs> Is this going out on the internet? Thank God it's not. <clears throat> it's in the Bible. So she says to him, why don't you take this, my, hand, my handmaid, whatever. So he's like, sure, why not? Sarah, after that all happened, God gave him a baby get to the handmaid, and Sarah hated her for it, which wasn't right. God gave Hagar grace as well to handle that situation. But the point is, is when we, don't miss this, when we try to work the plan that God has, when we try physical, tangible things in an invisible, eternal plan, we screw it up. When we leave our marriage that is an eternal bond to God to only work with physical things, guess what? It doesn't work. When we try to rear children with physical ideologies and with only our relationship without the Lord and eternal wisdom and without his plan, it doesn't work. So faith is understanding that his plan is better than ours. But even in this story that I'm about to tell you, and it gets even stranger, but even in this story, there were, Abraham was putting his two cents in, doing things that he shouldn't be doing. You know what I'm saying? But God's plan still prevailed. So check this out. Fast forward a few years, Abraham, that means he's older, okay? More years, that means he's older. He, he's probably a little more feeble. He probably is struggling to get around, probably can't see too well, you know what I mean? And that's Abraham, and Isaac's growing up, and God tells Abraham something. But before I do, Genesis 21, 12, read this with me, Genesis 21, 12. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of this lad, and because of thy bondwoman, in all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. Why? For in Isaac shall thy seed be what? Called. God has already, watch, watch this now. God has already declared over Isaac's life that he will be the promised seed. Do we all understand that? Before the story that I'm about to read you, which is crazy, before that story ever plays out, Abraham knows what God's plan is. That's called a promise. And if God promises something, 
you can take it to the bank, okay? Before what I'm about to read, Abraham knew, watch this, that Isaac was going to have to live, right, if God's plan was to be fulfilled. You got me? Genesis 22, 1 through 18. And it came to pass, after these things, Isaac's a little older, Abraham's a little older, that God did, what's the next word? Abraham. Listen, let let me let y'all in on a little secret, okay? God is going to try you. He's going to put you through things in order to strengthen your muscle of faith. Just like working out. I've said it over and over. I'm going back to the gym this week, but then I don't. And what happens? I get weaker and weaker. This thing used to be, I used to have a nice little perky bicep, you know what I'm saying? And now all I can do is look at Kyle's and dream, you know what I mean? (laughs) If we don't go and work it out, what happens? It gets sad. Hey, guys, I'm going back. Saying for accountability, most people post for accountability, right? Saying for accountability, I'm going back to the gym this week, okay? Do you believe me? By faith, I will. The point is this. If we don't work the muscle, we lose it. What do you think? God made all this physical realm that we see. He made us in his image. You don't think there's an unseen realm that has the same principles and motions to it? Just because you don't see your faith doesn't mean it's not a muscle that needs work. Oh, God just gives me everything, and there it is. It's just there. (laughs) No. You, You have a physical life, and then you have a what? A spiritual life. Over here, you don't work the muscle, you get weak. Over here, you don't work the muscle, you get weak. It all makes sense. There's spiritual forces. There are things that oppose. There's spiritual warfare. What is that? Battle. It requires strength. It requires building. It requires constructing. By faith, the worlds were framed. But yet, we're sitting on a muscle that could be insane. You could be like Arnold spiritually. But you're over there sitting in a corner eating Cheetos. You know what I mean? Spiritually speaking, Abraham was strong. Abraham had been through some things. You know what I mean. And you can see old saints of God that have been through some things, like the 9 o'clock hour that we just had. Those saints, when I talk about this, they were like, yep. I may lose a spouse. I may lose a child. I may go through some things. That's building my faith. I may go through some stuff in my marriage. I may go through some stuff in my relationships with my job, with my children. That's internal strengthening. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Wouldn't it be something if we just knew it was coming? And you just knew that God is taking you through some things instead of saying, Oh my goodness, Ah, I quit. What? That's like saying, I'm going to hire a personal trainer. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to look beautiful in six months. And you show up to the gym, you spend $50 had way too much on some Lululemon short. I only know that because of Kyle. <laughs> and you, you show up to the gym. I'm picking on you this morning. I love you so much. You show up to the gym and you're like, dude, I got Lululemon shorts. I'm ready to go. CrossFit, let's kill this thing. And he says, okay, pick up that bar and do 10 reps. Eh, I'm leaving. 
you mean I don't just get the body? You know what I'm saying? You mean it wasn't enough to just buy the clothes and get the membership and just show up? No, it ain't enough. Any other place, any other job, you go to work and you put time and effort in and you grow. But spiritually speaking, for some strange reason, we have it in our minds that because Jesus paid it all, it requires nothing of us. That's a shallow faith. And the faith that I'm talking to you about has a foundation that you can construct, that you can build, that you can work on. Stay with me. Abraham was tempted. Oh, my goodness. Look at the time. Abraham was tempted and, and, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here, here I am. That's another, uh, that's another pet peeve of mine. God says when it's time to tempt you, tempt you tempt, tempt, when it's time to tempt you, you'd be like, hey, hey, and you're not there. God looked down and he said, Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. God says, hey, you, <laughs> calls you by name, echo, 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 and you're out running around in the world. You're out vacationing on God. That's another sermon anyway. And he said, take now thy son, thy what? Only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountain, which I will tell thee of. <laughs> right then and there, every God-hating non-believer says, yes, he What kind of God would tell a man to kill his own son? Well, the kind of God that killed his own son. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is, actually it's the point, but <laughs> the point is this. Abraham already had a promise. Abraham already knew the outcome. How is Isaac going to have a child when he is dead? Is that going to happen, yes or no? No. And if said Isaac that is supposed to have said child that is supposed to bring all the nations together is killed that would mean God would have to do what do you think God could do that I think he could well good heavens if he's already parted the Red Sea and yada 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 right if Abraham has a foundation that God keeps his promises and that God is faithful then all Isaac needs to I'm sorry then all Abraham needs to do is what obey and I submit to you today, don't, don't, this is where you, don't check out. I know the spaghetti's going to be good, but don't think about it right now. Think about the scripture. Abraham already knew that God was going to be faithful to his promise, which means God could tell Abraham, Abraham, go offer your son Isaac, and Abraham would know God has another plan. I'm going to prove it to you. Keep reading. Offer him. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God told him. He obeyed. Then on the third day, we could talk about that, but I don't have time. Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, do not miss this. And Abraham said unto his young men, what's he say? Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad, in the Hebrew it's plural, we will, and I and the lad will go yonder and what? And come again to you. 
I'm going to come again to you? What did Abraham say? I am the what? I am the lad. How did Abraham know that? God was telling him to kill his son. No, God was growing his faith. God was structuring his priorities. And you have to understand that this seems weird for me and you because we've never sacrificed an animal. That happened all the time back then. Sacrificing was, was a wreck. It's like that was their goods. That's like you giving money at church. It's not a direct illustration, but kind of. That was their goods. That was their livelihood. You give of that livelihood. You sacrifice it. You surrender it to God. People, servants, animals were looked at differently back then. You understand? This was a regular thing. So in your regular life, you are asked to do something that you normally do, and you're asked in a different way. That's what this is. But for Abraham, it was asked of him to give his most precious possession. But God had guaranteed him upon himself upon the foundation of who God is, I promise, I make an Abrahamic covenant with you. God had already given him Isaac miraculously. What you have, you have because I gave it to you. Now, can I take it from you? That's what God is saying. And Abraham responded with what? Yes. We need to start responding with yes if we're going to grow our faith. Our most precious possessions? Yeah. But see, if your construct is correct from the beginning and your most precious possession is a gift from God, it's easier. But we don't think that way. This is who I am. This is what I've done. I ain't got time for that. All right, keep him moving. (laughs) He takes the lad, he goes up, but he tells those folks that are there, he says, hey, we We're going to be back. All right. What happens from there? Then it's kind of funny because I'm going to paraphrase and then tell you the points. Isaac says, hey, Dad, so we're going to sacrifice some worship? Yes, son, we're going to sacrifice some worship. So we got the wood and we got the fire. We got the knife. Where's the sacrifice? (laughs) Abraham's like, I mean, this is old Abraham, right? He's, pro- he's making Isaac carry the wood because he can't carry it. Think about it. Do, do you think Isaac could have run? Don't you think Isaac would have been like, dude, I'm out. <laughs> My dad done lost it. He forgets what a gift I am. I'm out. Deuces. <laughs> but the story continues, and Isaac, Abraham says to Isaac, he'll provide. And then what do you think when he binds him? <laughs> Come here, Isaac. Here, can you hold that rope for me? <laughs> Trying to tie him up. Dad, what's going on? All right, lay down. He lays on the altar. Abraham, like, lifts his knife up. He was going to sacrifice his son. He was going to do what he was supposed to do. Why? Because that's what faith does. Faith leads us in an area that we know the outcome, but we cannot what? Oh, wait, watch it. Look at this. I'm looking for the verse. Here I am, and he said, lay not thine hand. When Abraham goes to kill him, the Lord stops him. The angel of Yahweh stops him, and he says, here I am. He says, lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, 
Seest thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me? And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, offered him up burnt sacrifice instead of his son. And we all exhaled. And Abraham called the name of that place, this is what I want to draw to your attention, Jehovah-Jireh, or in the Hebrew, Yahweh-Ira. I said that like terrible, but you get the point. Yahweh-Ira, God sees. Not just God provides, but God sees. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be what? Seen. Let me help you with something. Abraham made it to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, because he chose to live with the Lord's eyes and not his own. Faith is acting in God's plan and not our own. And in order to act in God's plan, we have to trust when we cannot see what only God can see. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. But Abraham trusted, and it was counted to him, Hebrews. It was counted to him for righteousness. Here's the two points I leave you with today. What did Abraham's faith look like? And this doesn't make sense, but it'll make sense. It looks like this. He was able to move forward when he wasn't able to move forward. Abraham was able to move forward when he wasn't able to move forward. You say, no. He moved forward. No, he didn't. But yes, he did. uh, Say what? He was able to move forward when he wasn't able to move forward. Death is the inevitable outcome of a knife going through his son's chest. Yes? But he acted in that moment the way God commanded him to act, knowing that what his actions were doing we're going to produce something that he could not do. It's got faith. If you're going to live by faith, the just shall live by faith. It's going to take you doing things that you know you cannot do. He acted and did when he could not do. You need to think about that for a minute. You need to wrap your, your mind around that. Some of you, God is going to call you to do things that you absolutely know are impossible and cannot be done. If you do them by faith, you will continue. If, if God, I, I don't understand if I plunge the knife, your promise will not happen. Yes, it will. It's going to happen. Abraham told him, and if we understand his attitude because of the context of the scripture, he already told the group, we're going to be back. Not just me. We are coming back down off that mountain. We're going to go, and we're going to worship, and we're going to sacrifice, and we will be back. Why? Because God had already made a covenant with Abraham. And when God calls you to do something that you feel like is impossible, that you feel like will not work out, it is not your responsibility to see it through it's God's just do listen he was able to move forward when he wasn't able to move forward death was the outcome to a sacrifice but Abraham knew Isaac would live faith is believing loyalty that God is going to prevail 
the problem is, is most Christians today actually don't believe that God is going to prevail. You're facing life's problems with your own physical logic instead of the spiritual realm moving forward. Here's the last thing. He was able to trust. This is so practical, but like, I don't know why it's so difficult, but it is. He was able to trust the provisions from God's promises rather than the pressures of the present moment. He was able to trust the provisions from God's promises rather than the pressure from the present moment. When you're in that moment, can you imagine raising a knife to your own son? Here's what that is in your context. Can you imagine giving to God when you don't have it to give? That's the way we sacrifice. Can you imagine, can you imagine serving in a ministry that you feel like you're completely inadequate to serve in? We're, we're going to do some big things here at Bethlehem in the next couple weeks, like specifically next week. We're going to be called to things, and I believe that because that's the way the Lord moves. But when you look at your ability and it falls short, you can't, you can't rely on the pressures of the present moment. You have to trust in the provision from his promise. I, I, God, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, I don't think it's going to work out. It doesn't make sense. If you have faith that will what? Move a mountain. Stop staring at the mountain. Stop understanding that that thing doesn't make sense and understand that God made the thing. God knows how it works. God can rewire if necessary, but I promise you it's going to work out. Why? You can take it to the bank because I'm not a liar. I'm God. When I make a promise, I keep it. Satan will lie to you. Satan will tell you that you have an ability that you can work it out, that you can approach your problems without God's grace and without faith to see it, and it will work out, but it won't. God's promise will always come with provision, so don't fall to the pressure in the present moment. Some of you are facing a sacrifice. You're facing something that's a huge, monumental challenge, and the only way that you're going to trust the Lord is by faith. And remember, <laughs> it's the substance of Jesus himself. Hoopastasis, the very foundation of what we believe in is Jesus. You're believing in someone that already paved the way. This is mind-blowing. You ready for this? We're believing in someone that lives outside of time. If he's the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, he is playing this out from a position of victory not from a position of failure. That's a promise. I will come again. I will receive you into myself. I will come back for my church. You can take his promises to the bank. Trust in the promise. Trust in the provision that comes from his promise. And don't let the devil trick you. Don't let him poison you with fear in the present moment. What are you facing today? Church, come on. What are you facing that requires faith? If you're not facing anything that requires faith, you done ran out of the gym a long time ago. Some of y'all need to come on back. Come on back. This is church. This isn't something that we pretend and play in. This is real life. But it's unseen real life. It's spiritual warfare. Some of y'all need to break those chains. Stop giving in to the pressures in the present moment. How many just know?
that there's something that the devil has used in your life recently that has taken you out of this game of living by faith. But God has promised. So the just, what does that mean? The justified, not the good person. It means the person that has been declared righteous by Jesus' blood. The just, you've been declared righteous. You have a rite of passage. Move along, little Christian. There's promise and there's provision for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Will you be loyal to the unseen? Listen, if you have never put your faith, your trust, your believing loyalty in the Son of God, know this, that He is a sure foundation. He is the only sure foundation in this world of turmoil. If you sit here today and you say, Pastor Matt, if I die today, I don't even know for sure if I have the promise of heaven. Can you pray for me? Raise your hand, I'll pray for you. Just slip up your hand and put it down. Pastor Matt, I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Can you pray for me? Just slip your hand up, I'll pray for you. Just slip your hand up and put it down. If you're here today and you have the promise, if you're here today, listen, if you have pledged your loyalty to Jesus, and what he has done for you. No one's looking, just me. Why don't you show him your hand? Say, here's my hand, Lord. I pledged my loyalty to you a long time ago. I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. Here's my hand. Okay, if that's you, if you're raising your hand to Jesus, then, then what's stopping you now? What's in front of you in this present moment that's keeping you from his promise and provision? Say, Pastor Matt, I am... <laughs> As hard as it is, I'm gonna stop looking at the mountain that's in front of me, and I'm gonna trust the provision of my God to move the mountain. Here's my hand. I'm trusting. I'm trusting in God. I'm trusting in my faith. Tell him this morning. Say, I'm trusting in you. Listen, the altar is open. 